This is our destiny. The battle's already won. Make it loud. We're giving everything. By the cross, we have overcome. Hello, and welcome back to the Home Bible Study Podcast. <clears throat> we are currently studying in Hebrews, and we have made it to chapter 11. Looks like we're averaging um, about four lessons per chapter. So we're blowing that out of the water with chapter 11. But I think it's important for us to spend some time here in chapter 11 because faith is such an integral part of who we are as believers in our lives. And there's so much that we can learn from one another, from the faith of others, the ones that are listed here. And God, the Holy Spirit is definitely showing the many facets of faith. And I hope that through these lessons and through your own personal study, that you're able to see just how important it is for us to utilize this gift of faith to be able to be successful in all that the Lord has for us to do in this life. And faith, like I said, is such an integral part of everything that we do. Um, and if we're successful, uh, in in uh, being obedient to the Lord, he will make it to where others will see our faith and it'll be a strong witness and a testimony to them, whether they be saved or unsaved. And at the end of the day, that's what glorifies the Lord Jesus. And that's what we should desire. That should be our single desire above everything else is to glorify him. So, um, again, we're in uh, Hebrews chapter 11. If you have your Bible, you want to turn there. We Last uh, time we looked at verse 21, and now we're in verse 22. And uh, it's very interesting that the writer would put these uh, verses and these two people that he's highlighting uh, so close together. I think uh, it's very interesting, and hopefully uh, you'll see something of that as well. So last time in verse 21, we saw by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both sons of Joseph um, and worshiped leaning upon the top of his staff. And we saw all the, the pictures that were created in that and the words that were used. And we looked at the life of Jacob and kind of who he was and who God made him to be. Well, now we're going to turn to, uh, we're going to go to verse 22. We're going to look at another individual who has a testimony for God and one that is striking, I would say. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and read the verse first. Uh, verse 22, Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel gave commandment concerning his bones. Very simple. Doesn't seem like there's a lot being said there, right? But so much is here. And I think the advantage that anyone would have in studying Hebrews is if you've already studied Genesis um, to really understand any part of scripture, be it uh, whatever um, book or the Gospels, Book of Revelation, anything you want to understand, first you have to understand the beginning. And you have to study the Bible all the way through because it's one message. You know, it's one compiling message upon uh, one story, many different facets of one story, and it all points to the Lord Jesus Christ. And once you can see Jesus in every uh, letter in every um, account when you start seeing him then you start to see how it all comes together and I pray the Lord would would bless us to be able to have eyes to be able to see that so now last week like I said we looked briefly at the like life of Jacob and and I said then how glad I was for people like Jacob that God delivered him because I can relate to Jacob quite a bit uh, he was pretty slow to learn, you could say. And I can appreciate God's patience and how that he shows 
uh, and deals with Jacob in a way um, and shows him things that he needed to learn. And, you know, I see my need for that same grace. And I, I think you probably see that in your life as well. Uh, there's a lot of things God will reveal to us. If we just take it face value, it would make such an impact on our lives. But uh, too often that doesn't happen and we have to learn a different way. And it's not always the most comfortable. The best example of that I like to use is um, when God told um, Jonah to go to Nineveh. All he had to do was go to Nineveh. But Jonah decided to do something else. God eventually got him to Nineveh, but it was not the way that Jonah wanted to get there. So that's, I think, true for uh, the life of Jacob. We see that a lot of times, and I too often see it in my life. So I, I'm thankful for for the uh, for Jacob and what God did with him. The writer here has uh, done something a very uh, something that's very subtle. He's made a subtle contrast between these two men in putting these uh, accounts so close together. We have, you know, this father and this son, you know, Jacob being the father, Joseph being the son. Both of these men were called of God for a purpose. And that purpose was to glorify him and to glorify him with their lives. But God has been very purposeful in giving us these two men and the accounts of their lives. Um, and, you know, time, I don't think will allow me to go as deeply into that as I would like to. But just something I want to plant a seed for you to um, kind of consider that these two men and what God did in their lives and how that the contrast and the similarities between the two. So I hope that'll encourage you to study more on your own about Jacob and Joseph, because I'm telling you, you will enjoy it uh, beyond description, beyond my ability to describe. So Joseph was the second um, son, second to the last son of Jacob, right? Uh, Jacob had 12 sons and uh, Joseph was second to the last. And it bears significance that he and Benjamin were born after their other brothers were already grown men. So those brothers experienced uh, being raised by Jacob prior to his maturity. He was still having to learn some things from God. And like I said, he wasn't learning them too quickly. So people, all the people around us are affected by our own growth and maturity. That's something I think that's not... Uh, appreciate it uh, until you get older you can look back and see how that you know it's important for you to learn and trust God early because the people around you the people that you love it's your children your spouse uh, your your family members they're all affected by who you are in your life and your relationship to the Lord Jesus and the closer you are to him the better it is for everyone around you. So we see that with uh, the sons of um, Jacob and how they were very different, the older sons from the younger sons, because uh, Jacob was just in a different part of his growth and a different part of his life when he was raising those, those men. And you can see the turmoil and the effects of the turmoil in his life uh, during that time, you know, the wives and the going back and forth and the competing for his attention and uh, the the children and how they, you know, were just wild and they did a lot of wild things. Um, so that's kind of a direct, I think, reflection of who uh, Jacob was. But now we come to the point where he's a more mature man, a man that's been kind of softened by life. Um, his, uh, the, you know, we know that the, 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 the wife that he really loved, the one that he really wanted, uh, Rachel, she died giving birth to Benjamin 
And he just wasn't the same person after that. And I wouldn't put attribute everything to her death, but it's just a it's a marker. It kind of shows the transition that he was going through from who he was and all the things he wanted in life and what the plan that God had for him. So he's a he's an older man. He's a man that's a little more settled. He's settled in the fact that Leah is the wife that God wanted for him to have, and this is the wife that is going to be the wife of his old age. And uh, a lot of things that were a lot of turmoil that came from trying to have two wives, all that's been settled now. And so he's just a different man. And this is the man that raised Joseph and Benjamin. And we're going to see how that Joseph was directly affected by that. So by the time Joseph was born, a lot of things had happened uh, to the family of Jacob. And for the most part, uh, Jacob saw his other sons as a disappointment and a shame. That's pretty much uh, what they were. But he looked at uh, Joseph differently because, you know, he raised Joseph and Benjamin differently. And he almost, well, you could say he doted on him. He doted on uh, Joseph. Uh, he looked upon him with an affection, uh, an affinity that he did not look upon his other sons with. And they noticed it, you know. The other sons noticed that Joseph had a different place in uh, Jacob's heart. Uh, Genesis chapter 37, verse 3, starting at verse 3, kind of explains or sets the tone for what that family dynamic was like. It shows, you know, that Jacob, you know, had this special love for Joseph. And he makes him this coat to, you know, set apart uh, Joseph from the bro his brothers. He uh, puts, he, you know, apparently makes this coat himself. And it says, uh, you know, a coat of many colors, but I think the better translation is a coat of many pieces. And so this was a kind of a special coat and it set apart um, Joseph from the other brothers. And, you know, if you just stop for a second and you don't speed through this, you can see how that Joseph was already being set up as a type of Christ and that the father exalted the Lord Jesus Christ above all others. And here we see Jacob doing the same thing in uh, the, the picture. The parallel is striking. So he makes his coat. He, he manifests his love for um, Joseph in a kind of special way. And the other brothers noticed it and they felt it. In Genesis 37, 4, we see where the, it says that the brothers hated Joseph, right? Uh, and they, it, was a, it was envy. There was an envious uh, type of hatred. Um, you know, Joseph didn't help because it, 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 earlier in that same account, it talks about how that um, Joseph kind of told on his brothers. He brought back an evil report and told his father. Um, but, you know, I don't place any fault on Joseph. You know, he's a good son, and, and the report was true. Um, did it uh, make him to, was it probably smart to, to do it? Did it put him in any better place with his brothers? No. But he was not seeking to please his brothers. He was seeking to please his father. So um, now I guess I just got to give you the highlights. I, I wish I could go into great detail about Joseph because the account of his life is amazing. But... Um, for the sake of time, I'm going to have to just kind of give you highlights about the story of this man. But it's uh, worth our time, both of our time, to, to study the account of his life. And there's a lot of blessings associated with it. Now, Joseph, for one of those, Joseph is the only man uh, in Scripture that to study his life so closely mirrors the life of the Lord Jesus in all the Bible. I don't know of any other account that so closely mirrors the life of the Lord Jesus. Now, he's never really said, or it's never said in the New Testament that he was a type of Christ, but I think there's a reason for that. 
I think that Joseph's story is going to have an impact beyond the, the church age. You know, we're in a church age now. The end of the church age is going to be the rapture. That's when we're, the church is called up. And immediately we're going to go into the tribulation period. That's that seven-year period, the time of Jacob's trouble, in which uh, the Antichrist is going to reveal himself and the world is going to go into utter chaos for, from all the judgments and the wrath of God being poured out upon it. But during this time, there's going to be some 144,000 Jewish men who are a virgin men who will start proclaiming the gospel. And Jews are going to start to be saved on a, on a level like, you know, that we haven't seen since the beginning of the church. And there's going to be thousands and thousands of Jewish people saved at that time. And some of those people are going to live through the tribulation period and enter into the millennial kingdom. And I feel like that this account of Joseph's life is going to be a particular blessing to them because it so parallels their um, what God has planned for them for the future. So I feel like that's why we don't see Joseph set up as a type of Christ because his life is going to minister to those people in a way in which we can't even really appreciate right now. So Joseph dreamed dreams. That was that's what a lot of people know him as the, the, the man who dreamed dreams. But Joseph dreamed very specific dreams about the future of the nation of Israel. And he dreamed these dreams about the future when there was no nation. They were just kind of an insignificant group of malcontents uh, living in a strange land. And Joseph dreamed about things that are for far reaching into the future. Uh, Joseph witnessed to his family. You know, he had a very powerful witness to his family. We see that the brothers hated him for it. Um, but even his father, when he detailed the, the specifics of this dream, looked at him like, what are you talking about? You know, his father didn't, and his mother, they didn't receive that witness and that testimony. And, you know, you may be in a situation where you try to witness to your family. That's got to be one of the hardest things to do because they feel like they know you. And it's really hard for them to see the difference between who you were and who you've become. And so it's difficult sometimes to witness to your family, but that's who needs our witness. They're the closest to us and our heart should desire for them to know the truth. And even if they don't receive the truth, it's on us to witness and minister to them. But uh, don't expect for it to be received with open arms because even here we know that, you know, uh, Jacob loved Joseph, but he didn't receive his, if you read the account, he didn't receive that that witness um, very well. So Joseph, I'm going to kind of give you the cliff notes. Joseph eventually was sent by his father to see about the well-being of his brothers. Does that sound familiar? I think uh, Jesus gave a parable about how that he kept sending people to see about uh, his property and eventually he sent the son himself and how ill-treated the son was. So we see that also that parallel with Joseph in that uh, Jacob sent him to see about his brothers and this resulted in Joseph being rejected by them and sold into slavery. So fast forward a little further, Joseph is sold into slavery in Egypt and Joseph was exalted in the house of the man that he was sold to. So he sold into slavery, a young man, he was only 17, 18 years old, but this, uh, Man uh, Potiphar, who was a you know high-ranking official in Egypt, which was the ruling um, uh, country of the world, it was like it was it. Uh, this man was very high-ranking. He ended up in his house, but he noticed something about Joseph. And this this is something that you may have experienced that when you do your work as unto the Lord, when you are focused on living a life of faith. Um, God will cause people to notice you. 
okay? It's Some people will be like um, Potiphar and notice your hard work. They'll notice your diligence and God will exalt you in their eyes. And then they will then put you in a position to where you can benefit them even more. And that's what happened with Joseph and Potiphar. He, he eventually put him over his entire house. So Potiphar was a very important man. He had to go off on trips a lot and campaigns and different things that had to be done. So, you know, these kind of wealthy, powerful people would put other people in charge of their home to make sure that everything at home was running the way it should. They had several servants. They had just a lot of things that were going on to keep a home. It was almost like a business to keep it running efficiently. And so Joseph was uh, the one who was in charge of all these things. So he was a young man placed in a position of authority and prominence. And there's a certain, I don't know, prestige that comes along with that. When you see a young man who's been um, elevated to a high position, but there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of things that go along with that. But it's also, you know, a very admirable thing to see someone young to be um to be uh, exalted to a position of leadership. And so Joseph, uh, that's exactly what happened to him. But he also got some attention that he didn't want. Um, this man Potiphar, I'm sure, would talk about Joseph and herald uh, his um, positive traits to others and also to his wife. And she took notice of, of Joseph. You know, it's a young man. He was intelligent. He was really doing well. Um, her husband spoke highly of him. And so this caused her to, you know, for Joseph to kind of catch her eye and she got, uh, this attention, but it wasn't the kind of attention that Joseph wanted. So, you know, we live in this world of TikTok and social media reels, and we see these people scrambling to get attention, you know, but you have to be very careful about, you know, what kind of attention that you get. So by no fault of Joseph, he attracted the attention of this woman. Uh, being a young man, running the house, you know, uh, her husband speaking well of him. These uh, things caught her attention and her intentions were, let's say, unsavory, right? That's, that what, that's what her intentions were for, for Joseph. So Joseph was basically uh, cornered and accosted by this woman. Uh, but being a godly man, he resisted her advances. Now, let me tell you, nothing will turn desire into hatred like rejecting a woman who wants you. If there's a woman or a man who wants your attention and you reject them, um, a lot of times that desire they have will turn into kind of an evil, um, it manifests itself in an evil intent against you because you did not give them what they wanted. Now, I'm sure Potiphar's wife was used to getting what she wanted. This is probably not the first servant that she, um, you know, tried to go after. And, you know, you think about it from the service perspective, hey, if the if the woman of the house who's there by herself most of the time, if she's happy with you, then you don't have to worry about anything. But Joseph didn't look at it that way. He, he sought to please God and he didn't look for man uh, for his position or his security. He looked to the Lord Jesus um, and he looked to the things that he was taught by Jacob in his old age about trusting God. And that's what he did. And he resisted this evil that this woman, you know, tried to um, push him into. So the righteousness of Joseph, by him resisting her, landed him in prison for three years. Now, I repeat, by Joseph doing the right thing, God placed him in a prison for three years. Now, does that sound like a prosperity gospel? Does that sound like what these so-called prosperity preachers are going around saying? Well, yeah, you just do what God says and he'll bless you and give you everything you want. No, no, 
That's not how it works. So how it does work is that God is going to give you what you need, not what you wanted. And in spite of Joseph and his understanding of what was going on, he needed to be in prison for three years. Now, if you would if you would have gone to Joseph at any time in those three year period and said, hey, do you feel like God, do you feel like you need to be here? He would have been like, no. But if you would have asked him if God placed him there, he would have said yes. And that's the difference between walking in faith and walking in the flesh. Faith says that it may not taste good, it may not smell good, it may not feel good, but because it's from you, God, from you, Lord Jesus, it is good. And that's the attitude that Joseph took. And God used that time, that three years, to teach him even more and to show him um, some things that he couldn't have learned any other way. So let's fast forward a little bit. Joseph is taken out of prison and he's exalted to the second position next to Pharaoh himself. Now, Egypt at the time was the most powerful kingdom in the world. So Joseph has been exalted to a very high and prominent position. And I'm going through all this because it's important to set the stage for what the writer is saying about Joseph so that we get a good understanding of what it is that Joseph did to manifest faith. So obviously throughout his life, we can see faith being manifested um, in that, you know, now that uh, he's out of jail, uh, he was exalted to this high place. Joseph then brought his family to Egypt and provided for them and the entire world through his leadership and wisdom. So uh, there's a famine that came, uh, several years of famine, seven years, I believe, and it was all over the world. And through Joseph's wisdom and guidance and leadership, he was able to deliver not only Egypt and make it even more powerful than it was, but also all the people in the world benefited from uh, him being able to provide food during this severe dram and severe uh, famine and drought throughout the world. Dramming. That was good. So there was a uh, prosperity and abundance uh, associated with Joseph for the rest of his days because of this. Because of the way he handled that, because of the way he handled his business, his business took care of him. And he had prosperity and abundance for the rest of his days. Um, he had his family. He had his father and his brothers with him. Um, he had a wife. He had a wife while he found a wife while he was in Egypt. And it was a Gentile wife. Look at the parallels here between the Lord Jesus and how that his brothers rejected him and then once uh, the father exalted him, uh, he brought everybody back together. Uh, all his brethren, he was revealed to his brethren to see who he was. They didn't know who he was. And then he revealed himself to them. He took a Gentile wife and had children with her. His two sons that we learned about earlier, Ephraim and Manasseh. So by all um, examinations of this story, it looks like Joseph is in the best place he could possibly be. Like everything that he could ever want, he had it. Um, Joseph had everything that really life could offer and he had it in abundance, you know? Now, I think the stage is set um, for what the uh, writer is trying to get us to see about the, the faith that was exhibited by Joseph in particular. So you, you may ask yourself, how could Joseph be an example of faith when he clearly had unimaginable wealth and was considered a hero by the Egyptians and the rest of the world? He was beloved, right? These people loved him from that point on because of all that he did to deliver them and maintain their uh, way of life and position as uh, the uh, as Egypt, the, the greatest nation the world knew at that time. 
So it says, uh, by faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel. So keep in mind all the things that we've seen so far about how exalted Joseph was, the kind of life he must have led being second on the, only to Pharaoh. I mean, we don't even understand or can imagine the opulence of that kind of life at that time. There was nothing that Joseph would have wanted for that he couldn't have. Um, the finest clothes, the finest food, the finest uh, accommodations as far as living accommodation, they were all his. And we're talking about Egypt. Now, some people think about Egypt back then and they think it was just kind of like this, you know, primitive culture. But Egypt was the most advanced culture that has ever been recorded to date. In fact, the Greeks, with all of their, you know, all the things that have been said about them, about, oh, you know, the Greek culture was so advanced, it was amazing. They got all of that, those advancements from Egypt. All of the, the libraries of Egypt is where they received uh, all that knowledge. The, the Egyptians, just to give you an example of the science, the level of science that they achieved, they had mapped the distance from the earth to the sun all the way back then. So there was a, the, the school of Egypt was a very advanced school of knowledge. They had used mirrors and the sun to light their dwelling places. Um, they were super smart. These were not, you know, primitive people. They, there's knowledge that they had that we don't have today, right? That we still are fumbling around trying to figure out that they knew things that they had already discovered back then. So, and I say that to give you a picture of the, where Joseph was and how he lived his life. So, so you can kind of imagine that, but it says here that he never really, uh, saw himself as an Egyptian. Now the Egyptians, they, they treated him as if he was an Egyptian, the way he dressed, uh, the way he lived, everything was as an Egyptian. That's why his brothers didn't recognize him. But Joseph you know, he never saw himself as an Egyptian. He never got caught up in the opulence and the wealth and the power and the love of the people that was given him. He didn't get caught up in that stuff. He never lost sight of who he was in Christ. His foundation was firm in God and in the promises of God that was given to his, to his, uh, his father's. And we see that in the fact that in his old age, when everything was going great and he was going to die, he told them, he told the children of Israel, now look, I know everything's going well now and you guys are happy and living high off the hog, but the day is going to come when we're going to leave this place, okay, and... Uh, don't forget that, that this is not what God promised us. You know, this place and all the things that are associated with it, the creature comforts, this is not what God promised us. God promised us a land, the seed and the blessing. And I'm not so uh, caught up in this place to where I, I don't know that. My hope is in what God has promised us, not in this. This is not it. Because, see, Joseph could look around and he could see the signs of a godless nation. And it doesn't matter how wealthy or opulent a nation or a people are, without God, none of that means anything. It's pointless. You know, it's garbage in comparison to the Lord Jesus Christ and what he has to offer. And Joseph was able to see that. 
God made him to see that. So it says, by faith, in verse 22, by faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel. Now, God first told Abraham this back in Genesis 15:13. I'm going to go and read that so you can see. And this was preserved. This truth or this knowledge had been preserved from father to son to father to son all the way to Joseph. And it was taken to heart to the point where Joseph lived by this truth. It wasn't just something that was passed down uh, like a folklore. This was the word of God and the, the presence and the power and the priorities of the word of God were a part of who Joseph was. And we need to have that same type of ministry to where the word of God is so ingrained in us and in our lives that people can see it and they hear it in the way we talk and the things we say and the things that we don't say. In uh, Genesis 15, 13, uh, and he said unto Abraham, know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs and shall serve them and they shall afflict them 400 years. Okay. Um, and also in verse 14, and also the nation whom they shall serve will I judge and afterwards shall they come out with great substance. So here it is. This is what uh, Joseph was leaning on, not on what was happening to him right then and there, not on the life that you know, he had made for himself and for his family in Egypt, but he was leaning on the promises of God. And there you see the faith. And, you know, faith does not just manifest in difficult times, but faith has to be manifested in presence, even present even more when things are going good. Because when things are going good, it's easy to take our eyes off the Lord. It's easy for us to you know, look at what's going on around us and man, you know, my stocks are doing well and I just got a promotion at work and, you know, i um, got a lot of new clients. And my, my bonus is just pouring in. Everything looks great. Those kind of things can make us to not trust the Lord because we start looking at those things and our comfort comes from those things. But that's not what happened with Joseph. Joseph said, I'm going to trust the Lord and his word. And I'm looking forward to what he has for us, for us as a people and for me. And that's why I'm going to remind the people, even in my death, I'm going to, before I die, I'm going to remind you. Now, look, my father's, uh, the God said to my father, our father, Abraham, and it was passed down from father to son that uh, there, he has a land for us. And he's going to deliver us out of land. That we're going to enter, be into bondage. We're going to enter into bondage. And he's going to deliver us. Well, at the time, that must have sounded insane. People are like, what? Things are going great, Joseph. What are you talking about? We're in the land of Goshen. I mean, everything is nice. Nobody's bothering us. We're multiplying left and right. I mean, I, I just had two or more kids. All of my... Uh, goats and cows and everything they're they're just having lambs are being born left and right i mean i got more than i can ever uh go through i have more wealth than i could ever uh spend and so so what are you talking about but but joseph said god said that this is going to happen and i'm looking to god's word and i'm believing god and here is where he manifested this faith. See, we see the faithful witness of Abraham to his son Isaac and Isaac to Esau and Jacob and Jacob in his old age to his sons, including Joseph. It was passed down. And like I said, it wasn't just uh, a tradition. This was passed down as the word of God. So by faith, these men witnessed to their families, not because it was easy but because it's what God told them to do. And look how blessed we are by their faithfulness today. We have the account of this, of these stories, of these, the things that happen in these men's lives. And, and it ministers to us to show us that 
the faithfulness of God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Our trust in him is as assured uh, to manifest and to, um, to uh, minister to the lives of others as this account is ministering to us. It's the same God. Um, all we need to have is our little mustard seed side of the faith. And God will take that and he will make it to abound beyond what we can even imagine. Because he's going to glorify himself. And we've already learned in Hebrews that the Father has exalted the Lord Jesus beyond the heavens. You know, that's what it says in Hebrews. So, here we see, I think, something that uh, is a real prosperity gospel that even in prosperity we should trust the Lord and we should trust in him and not in prosperity itself because riches can only give you so much there's no real satisfaction in wealth and some people say well I like to get rich and find out for myself well we don't necessarily have to learn everything the hard way we can learn through joseph we can we can read the account of his life and see that at the end of his life his focus was not on things but on the word of god and his hope was in all that god had for him and the people joseph didn't allow this phenomenal success he experienced to take his focus of faith off the lord jesus Joseph was not phased by the riches of this world because he had learned the wealth that's in God and the fellowship of his suffering. Remember when he was in jail and his brothers sold him into slavery? He learned who the Lord Jesus was through that suffering. And there's a fellowship, a closeness, a bond that was created that no amount of wealth, no amount of success could come between. And we see that in his life. Joseph learned firsthand how that God is able to lift a man from the depths of bondage, even being in prison, to the very heights of rule. Joseph never looked to himself, but learned at a very young age that if it's just you and Jesus, you will always be in the majority. I'm going to repeat that. If it's just you, no matter the situation or circumstances, if it's just you and Jesus and everybody in the entire universe turns against you, you are in the majority. Because that's where we need to be. We need to have that kind of relationship with the Lord Jesus to where he is our priority and his will then will become our will. And then we are one in Christ and we start living our lives in a way to where people see him and not us. And that is a faithful witness. It says, by faith, Joseph. And it says at the, uh, I'll just read the whole thing. By faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel, but also, and gave commandment concerning his bones. So first he said, now look, uh, this is what God said, and he you know, restated, reaffirmed the truth where uh, God said to Abraham, of a surety this will happen. And so we see the faith of Joseph in that he embraced that truth. But, and he said, hey, this is going to happen. But it's not just that he told them. He showed his belief in the actions, in the commandment that he gave them. He says, hey, do not leave my body, my bone, in Egypt. There's a day that's going to come. I know it's hard to see now when all of this good, these good times are going to turn and we're going to end up being in bondage and God is going to deliver us from this place. Take my bones with you. Because I want my bones to be in the land that God is going to give us. He didn't say, I want my bones to be in the land that we have. But I want my bones to be in the land that God is going to give us. So you see how Joseph 
his hope, his faith, his trust was always in God's promise. Never in what, what he had in front of him. Not in what was behind him, but what God had promised to give him and the people. And he said, that's why he gave commandment concerning his bones. He said, don't leave my bones here in this place. This is not what God has promised us. He has something better for us. Much People are like, better than this? Far better than this. And coming from Joseph, being in the position that he was in, what a powerful ministry that must have been. So Joseph witnessed to his brethren, you know, don't allow my bones to remain in this place. Joseph was a hero uh, to the people. And Egypt would never allow them to take his body away from that land. When he died, they probably mummified him and buried him in an Egyptian type tomb because he to them, he was an Egyptian in every way, you know? And so they would, that's how they would honor their heroes. And so at that time, you know, the Jews couldn't just say, okay, we're going to take him and go bury him somewhere else. They wouldn't allow that. But there, that a time came when God was going to uh, make it, uh, make all the Jews to be a stench to the Egyptians. And they were, they said, get out of here and take whatever you want. And Joseph knew this. And he says, when they tell you that, you get my bones and you take them with you as well. And that's faith. That is, that is faith being exhibited to us and the faith that I pray that we would um, see in our lives. So Joseph knew that the day was going to come when, you know, things would turn. The Egyptians would turn on the Israelites. And he knew that because God told him that. Not because he was so smart, not because of any other reason that he just believed God. That's it. And it must, like I said, it must have sounded crazy to the people who he was ministering to. Um you know, they were experiencing all the benefits of Joseph being in power. Joseph gave charge to them because he believed what God told him in spite of the circumstances. And he manifested a belief in spite of what the circumstances um, exhibited at the time. And I think that's true of anybody who walks by faith, is that you, you're going to have to act in a way uh, that shows your belief in God and your belief in his word. And that's always going to be in contradiction to the world, always. And so, you know, how are things for you? I think that's what we have to ask when we look at Joseph and how he responded. You know, um, do you see, feel like things are getting better and better, you know, or things just looking up everywhere you turn? You know, you got a nice job. Money in the bank, maybe a nice little nest egg for retirement. Things are looking pretty good. You know, the Lord has blessed you with a lot of creature comforts. You got a nice home. Um, it's comfortable. Uh, you're not, you know, riding on the struggle bus. You know, as they say. But it's important, I think, for us, if that is the case for you, if that's the case for me, that we don't allow these blessings to keep us from living a life of faith because there's a danger that we'll take our eyes off on the Lord and we'll start trusting in these things. We'll trust in our bank account. And, you know, I got, you know, I don't know, three, four hundred thousand dollars just sitting uh, in my accounts and I got some, my stocks are doing okay. And, you know, I think if something happened, I'd be fine. Well, all of that, we learned from uh, Job that all of those things could be taken away in a moment's notice. They could just disappear, literally, uh, with the, the way people hack into accounts and um, all the phishing and the fraud that goes on. Literally, your money could disappear overnight. So you can't trust in those things. You got to trust in the Lord and, and him and what he provides for us. That's, that's the message, I think, of this particular verse is that we have to trust in what God provides and his promises 
And that has to be the priority for us. You know, riches are not necessarily money or material. To me, riches are a metaphor for priorities. You know, it's what you value, what's most important in your life. And if if you were asked to make a list of all the things that are the most important to you, if that list doesn't start and end with Jesus, then you're probably not living by faith. He said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the last, the beginning and the end. So there's a uh, application there of not just his person, his power and his plan, but also his place in your life. He has to be the beginning and the end. When you first wake up, Jesus. When you go to bed at night, Jesus. When you, uh, he calls you and delivers you and saves you, Jesus. And then like Joseph here, in spite of what's going on in between when he calls you and when you, he's calling you home, there has to be faith, this faith. Is the constant that needs to be throughout our lives. And only Jesus can work that in us. And he's going to do it through his word. The fact that you're studying and you're listening to this lesson shows that your priorities are in the right place. Um, that's the path. That's the way. You know, he's showing us the way. We just have to walk in it. Uh, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. This is what he told us. He says, this is what we need to, this should be our focus, right? And everything else is added to us from that. You might say, you know, well, but, you know, I really want a wife or a husband or a family. You know, a better this or a better that. Well, nothing you will ever have will be of any value or satisfaction without Jesus being at the head of it. I'll say that again. Nothing that you could ever desire, want, or have will ever be of any value or satisfaction to you if you're a believer without Jesus being the head of it. So whatever it is you want Jesus, if it's your job, you want to be successful, you want Jesus to be with you in your job. He's the one that's going to make you to be successful. He's going to give you uh, everything you need. If you're a fisher, uh, you can cast your nets all day, but if you're not being guided by him, your nets are going to be empty. You know, it's very important for us to understand that everything that we have that is good comes from him. And all he asks us to do is tell other people about him. That's it. That's all he asks us to do. And he, he blesses us with all these good things. And he says, all I want you to do is tell other people about me. That's very simple. It's to have this witness. And in faith, we can do that. Only through faith can we do that. Joseph knew that everything that came to him was from God. Joseph was looking for the, um, for the end of death, right? He didn't just look at all the things that was around him that he had, uh, he could still see how it was tainted by sin. All the wealth in the world tainted by sin because sin and death still existed in the world. And when you have your eyes on the Lord, you see with his eyes and you can see it that way. And Joseph could see that. And he wanted, he looked for the savior that was going to come and deal with sin and death once and for all. That's what Joseph was looking for. He was looking for a better place. Joseph was looking for the Savior that was promised in the land that would be enjoyed in peace. You know, Egypt had all these enemies and constant threats because that's what happens when you're a powerful nation. For all of Joseph's, Joseph's efforts, still he saw countless people die. You know, it's just a natural thing. People die every day. And back then, I imagine it was even more common. Joseph believed in the resurrection of his dry bones. And in faith, he commanded that they take his bones 
with them where God had promised to lead them. That's faith. That is the faith that Joseph exhibited. Now we have the same kind of hope today, but it's even better than Joseph's. You know, we have a heavenly city awaiting us. We're not looking for a thousand year reign on earth. We have this heavenly city that awaits us. Um, we're going to enjoy the fulfillment of the promises that are given to us. Jesus said, I go to make a place for you. And he has this place made for us. And it's beautiful. It's heavenly. It's eternal. Um, we have God, the Holy Spirit to indwell us, um, to make us to know these things, to know the assurity of the things that God has revealed to us in his word. So let us go forth in faith and witness to others and to tell them about all the things, not only that the Lord has done for us in our life, but even the things that he has for us in eternity. Uh, and we can witness to the other people with a surety that these things are ours. And in doing that, we may find some others like ourselves who, um, who need to hear the gospel because that's the power of God and the salvation. You know, Jesus has come just like he promised and he's calling out a people who are not a people. They're called the church. You know, he died on the cross to save us. He rose on the third day as proof that the father accepted his substitution or substitutionary death. Now he's revealing to all those given to him by the father. He's revealing the salvation that is in him. That's how people are saved. And that's the gospel. That's the gospel that he's given us to share with other people in faith. It's the power of God unto salvation. Right. And so we must be witnesses on behalf of him in faith. That's all he asks us to do. You know, he didn't tell us to go save anybody. He says, just be witnesses of me. That's all you have to do. And what a wonderful thing. You know, what a privilege we have to share this message to tell people about him. I mean, I can't imagine anything that I enjoy more than talking about the Lord Jesus. So embrace that. Talk about it. Doesn't matter how it's received. He didn't ask, he didn't tell us to control that. He says, just tell them about me and God will do what he wants to with his word. He will not come back empty handed. He will accomplish his will. And in you witnessing on behalf of him, you'll experience the Lord Jesus in a way that you couldn't otherwise. And you'll grow close, closer to him. You'll go, your faith will be um, strengthened and you'll see evidence of that in your life and your walk with him. God may use you to be a light for him, um, for someone else, you know, in your life and how you live your life. Uh, he can use that to glorify himself. And in doing that, he calls other people. He calls out other people. And, um, that's the process. That's how it works. Um, he doesn't need us to save anyone, right? If a person's going to be saved, he'll make sure that they are. But Jesus allows us to participate so that we can enjoy the blessing of serving him. So may the Lord give us the grace we need to be a witness and the faith like the ones that are being described here in chapter 11, uh, even Joseph, that even uh, in our old age, when we face death, that people will say, well, he certainly trusted God. And they can see that in our lives, in what we say and what we don't say and what we do and what we don't do. It's very important. And may the Lord use that to glorify himself. Let's close. Father, thank you for Joseph. Thank you for Jacob. Thank you for your word and how that you have preserved your truth. And these specific stories, these specific accounts of these people's lives and how they relate to us in this church age that we live in. 
I pray, Father, that you would build us up and help us to uh, grow in grace and that we would be pleasing to you in how we live our lives. I know that you're going to accomplish that in all of us, and I praise you for that. I praise you in advance, knowing in faith that you're going to accomplish that in all of us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.